0: Uh, so we are at the end of a series that we have been working through over the past three weeks, and it's called "When God Doesn't." is kind of the overarching theme uh, of a series, and really with the confirmands here today and spread throughout, this is a great lesson to hear. And, and we've been listening to, we've been following along with the Book of Habakkuk. And the Book of Habakkuk is very short; it's only three chapters. It's in the Old Testament; it's a minor prophet, um, and, and it's just really short, concise, but really raw. And emotional, Because what Habakkuk is addressing is when God doesn't show up, when God doesn't answer. When God doesn't, when you're, when you're in, your wit's in and the darkness has overwhelmed you and you're crying out for God to help and God to move and God to heal and God to show up, and then God doesn't. What do you do with that? How do you handle those situations? And, and, and as these Confermans are, are, are going to learn, it, Your faith is great when things are going well, but maybe there's something different when things aren't. So Habakkuk, for for just a little bit of recap purposes, Habakkuk is one of the prophets, he was a priest. And he was a guy like me who would come into the temple and perform the ritual acts of of service to God. And, and, And during his time when he was coming around is King Josiah had just discovered because they'd been lost, these five books that Moses had written, the first five books of, of our Bible. And, and they begin to fall in love with who God is, and they begin to incorporate worshiping God in the temple once again. They hadn't been doing it for generations, and, and so they, they find this spirit of God once again. And then Josiah moves on, and, and Jehoiakim is the king, and, and he kind of turns things away from God. He, he doesn't stop the worship in the temple. He just goes, ah, there's other things. And so by the time Habakkuk steps into his role as priest, the people are coming to temple and coming to do these ritual acts, but their heart's not there. They're really worshiping God as if he were some pagan idol. And Habakkuk sees this, and, and he loves God so much that he sees the injustice that is happening and in all of the hurt and heartache and the anguish that's going on, and he, and he wonders where God is. And so he cries out to God, and, and he does so really in an angry way. like I mean, he yells at God. And, and he goes, essentially says, don't you turn your back on us. Where are you? Everything is crumbling around us. You're God. Why haven't you moved yet? It's okay to yell at God. It's okay and it, it's okay to, as, as we talked about in the first week, to stay in the kitchen and throw dishes. It's okay to be in that, because that's the kind of relationship that God wants with us. He doesn't want one that when things go south, we leave. He wants one that says, when it's, when it's down, when the chips are down, you're gonna stay in there and fight, and you're gonna swing, and you're gonna stay, because the relationship is too important to walk away. And so Habakkuk gets in there, and a lot of, we, we've learned growing up that when you come to God, you, you come in a, a reverential way. Like, look at, look at how pretty our comfort mans looked, right? They don't dress like that on a regular basis. Their parents told them to dress up today. I'm even wearing a jacket. And, and, you know, and you come in sometimes to these places, and you're like, oh, but this is how you deal with God. Oh, when you come into God's presence, you need to speak a different way and act a different way. And there's some truth to that, but at the same time, God doesn't want us to be phony. And all throughout Scripture, you have people yelling at God, intensely emotional conversations. God, where are you? God, don't turn your back on us. And so Habakkuk comes to God like this and he stays in that kitchen and he's throwing dishes at God and he's mad because he knows who God is. And he says, you wouldn't let us like, say like this, you're better than this, you're bigger than this, where are you? And so God goes, okay, here I come. And if you remember, he, he sends the Babylons, the Babylonian empire. He, he sends this, this empire that was one of the worst who ever existed on the face of the earth. The, these people that were just like locusts, they would breeze through areas and destroy everything in their path. They, w- they would murder and rape and pillage, and, and they would just leave places in desolation. And God says, yes, you're right, you need to turn around, and so I'm gonna send the Babylonian empire your way. And, and back it goes, but, what, that, well, that's not what I meant when I asked you to come in. I kind of meant like you make everything better. You're not moving in the way I need you to move, God. You're not moving in the way that I, I want you to move. You're not showing up in the ways that I think you should show up because of my understanding of who you are. And he goes at God again. He says, but God, this, isn't, this is out of your character. This isn't who you are. You're, you're a God of love and hope and peace. And you're the God who created everything. Why would you destroy it all? And do you remember what God's answer to him was? Please hold. Right, essentially. He's like, just, just wait, just wait. And so Habakkuk is left in this place of, okay, he knows who God is because he's learned about him from these five books and he's fallen in love with God. He knows where the people of Israel are and the utter desolation that they're sitting in. And he knows what's coming. And he wants to know where God is. God says, wait. And so Habakkuk remembers. See, what Habakkuk does is he begins to, to hear the story of God once again. And he goes through this line by line deal of Man, you parted the Red Sea so that we could walk through and then you destroyed our oppressors. We were slaves for 400 years and you reached into the most powerful army of the day and you yanked us free. You are a God who moves when you can. You are a God who did all of these great amazing things. And then he gets to a point where he can't stand. And it's verse 16, chapter 3. He says... I trembled inside when I heard this, all of the things that you had done before. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. These are the words of the Lord. to be to God. See, what Habakkuk does is he remembers who God is, and then he sits in that moment and says, because I know who you are, because I know who you are, I will rejoice. I will rejoice, even though the fig trees have no blossoms. There's no grapes on the vine. There's no olive. There's no flocks. There's, everything is the worst it could be. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Paul, Paul says it this way to the people of Philippi. He says, rejoice Always. See, and that word is a word that we don't like to hear when he says that, but he means it so much that he says what? Again, I say, because I know you weren't gonna listen to it the first time, again, I say rejoice always. See, because what Paul is trying to get us to understand and what Habakkuk understood is our joy in the Lord, our hope in the Lord is not contingent upon our circumstances. Our joy in the Lord is not dependent upon the things that are going on in our life. Our joy in the Lord, our hope in the Lord, our strength in the Lord is because of him, not because of us. Jesus will say it this way. He goes, hey, I said all these things to give you peace because in this world, you're gonna face trouble and tribulation, but I have overcome the world. See, Jesus Jesus doesn't ensure us, when, when we accept Jesus and And let me tell you, confirmation kids, your life isn't gonna be easy. Because you have a life with Jesus Christ, you have something to look forward to, but right now you can live into that moment of what it feels like to be embraced by the kingdom of heaven, but it's not always gonna be easy. It's not always going to be pleasant. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Right, when we believe in Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean everything's gonna be great. I know this. Giving my life to serve him. And I love that my daughter got to be up here. She she went to one confirmation class because she was too disruptive. And and it was a little too late for her. And and so she just couldn't be there. It didn't work for her. And somebody goes, well, is she gonna get confirmed? I'm like, her dad's the pastor. Yes, she's gonna get confirmed. (laughs) Man, knowing people is money, right? Of Course she's gonna get confirmed. She hears about Jesus all the time in our house. But it's just one of those signs that, that it was different for us. As it always is with her. And it hurts. Little Hunter Jones, who was up here, he's not so little anymore. He was born seven days before grace. Right? Seven? Isn't that right? It's like, I don't know, seven, ten days. When's your birthday, Hunter? Five days, five days. And we have, we've grown up together. Grace loves to watch uh, videos, like our home, home videos and stuff. And so we go back and, and recently, like this weekend, for whatever reason, she really wanted to watch some home videos. And so we put these home videos on and, and it was Corbin's one year birthday that we were watching. And, and there's Hunter Jones, right? He's been there from the beginning. But It's different. We see all those milestones that all of our friends, kids who are at this age, this eighth grade year, are making. We see all the opportunities that lay before them and all those different things. and It's just not so with her. She doesn't have that. And we don't have that for her. You know, just because you believe in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect in this beautiful thing. What it says is I'm with you. God says, like, I hurt more than you hurt for her. We said, God, don't turn your back on me. I didn't. I'm right here with you. And so in those moments, I think where you take your faith is, if everything were great with her, it would be easy to believe in God. Where where, where the rubber hits the road, man, is when things are going poorly and you still like Habakkuk say, I will rejoice in the Lord because he is my salvation. I know that things look really bad right now. There's no blossoms on the fig trees. There's no grapes on the vine. There's no cows. There's no sheep. Like really, this is the worst possible scenario we could be in as a a whole nation. But we will rejoice. We will rejoice because we know who God is. See, that's, that's faith. That is a deepness and a maturity of faith that we all need to grasp. It is something that says, no, no, I don't just believe in Jesus Christ. I live with him. Habakkuk is this amazing story of of a relationship that says, I am with you. In the darkest of times and in the brightest. Even when everything is going against me, I will rejoice. A, A dear friend of ours who many of you know, um, who was our communion person for years and years and years, my communion person at, at a, the last church in here. And, and she was with me and, and I just love her dearly. And she was a, an adopted grandparent to my children. She got sick last year. And I've, I've talked about this before. And we, we had her funeral and and here and it was a praise service and it was just amazing. It was a different type of funeral than I've ever done before because that's who she was. And, and I remember that right before she died and, and her body was just totally shutting down and, and everything, every, you walk into the room and you just sense that the end, like Jesus is about to bring her home, right? But we weren't ready for her to go. I wanted her to live. I wanted God to reach in and to remove that sickness from her. And I know that God can. I know that God has the ability to heal her. And she knew that. And she wanted to be healed. And at the last moment, a friend of Debbie and Ronnie's came in with a guitar. And it was right before Christmas and and sang, Mary, did you know? And at the very end, she's raising her hands, praising God in the darkest moments of her life, she raises her hand to praise God. That's faith. That is an understanding of who you are in God's eyes. And see, that is, that is the life that we are all called to lead. A, a life where we, we set aside the circumstances of this world and hold firm to the truth of the cross. Because, see, what Habakkuk didn't know, we know. Habakkuk only had this much of the story. He missed all this. And I know what you're thinking that's not as much right there, but it's a whole lot more powerful. Because what he missed was the moment when God entered time and God said, I've seen enough. I've seen enough of my suffering, of my children's suffering. And I'm going to write this. I'm going to change the course of history. I'm going to step into the darkness that exists in this world and blast a light that will never be overcome by darkness again. And he sent his son to live and to suffer and to be tempted and to know what we know and to give his life so that we might have ours. He sent his son in this amazingly beautiful, loving way and said, I love you so much that sometimes the prayers you ask for are not gonna be answered. Sometimes the darkness that surrounds you is going to continue for longer than you want it. But please know that I love you so much that I will extinguish that darkness one day. Please know that I love you so much that I will bring you into a new age. And it may be here today, right now, before we meet him face to face, or it may be later but there is a truth in the cross that says God loves us so much that he was willing to give his life for us. Three guys that really exemplified this were Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Remember those guys, Shadrach, Meshach, Larry, Moe and Curly of the Old Testament, right? There are these guys who, who go into King Nebuchadnezzar who is this foreign leader's court and he's like telling them to bow down, bow down. They're like, no, 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 we know who our God is, man. We're not, we don't bow down to anybody but our God, right? And he's like, if you don't bow down, we're gonna throw you into this furnace. And, and, and they heated this furnace up really bad and really hot. And so much so, if you remember the story, once they're thrown in, the, the soldiers who take them to the furnace die. They get burned up and they die. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're, they're like, man, look, God will save us. God is miraculous and God can take us into that fire and bring us out unsinged. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, he still is God and we trust him. There's a song that was written off of that scripture and it's by Mercy Me and it's called Even If. And I, I watched the story, the lead singer who tells the story about how they wrote that song and, and all the different battles and struggles and and. and illnesses with children and, and terminal illnesses with children and different things that they were dealing with. And, and it, it, it's a, it was a place where they're like crying out and we know that God can bring the miraculous power. I know you're faithful. I know you can, right? It's how the song goes with your right hand. Just you can deliver all of these things, but even if you don't, but even if you don't, I know you still are God. and I know you still are good. I, I don't know where you are in your journey today. I don't know what's going on in your world, what's going on in your life. I don't know, I don't know the struggles that you may be dealing with, the, the job situation or the diagnoses or the relational issues or the addictions or, or whatever it is, whatever, whatever oppression you find yourself living under today and, and you feel like that it will never end, that you feel like, like I can't take another step forward because it, the darkness is too great, the weight is too heavy. Let me tell you that God is not going to bring you out of that darkness just because he loves you. He has already brought you out of that darkness because he loves you. Let me tell you, it is not about what's going on in your world today, it's about what happened 2,000 years ago. Joy and rejoicing in the Lord is not because he brings us out of those moments. Joy and rejoicing in the world is because he loved us so much he gave his life for us. See, we have to find ourselves in a place where even if what we long for doesn't happen, we still can rejoice in the Lord because he is good and he loves us more than we could ever imagine. Our, our prayer team is gonna be at the back of the sanctuary today. And they're always back there, by the way. I just don't always mention them. And I get in trouble later because of it. One of the prayer people might be my wife, which might be why I get in trouble. But I, I, I don't know where you are. And I, I just feel like if some of you are experiencing that burden and you need to throw some dishes at God, Go back there and pray and throw some dishes. Go back there and engage in that conversation with him and say, God, I hate you right now because I don't feel your presence and let him say, but I'm here, I'm here and I love you. I love you with with, with with a reckless kind of love that is just gonna shake down walls and tear down mountains so that you may know that I love you. And I gave my life for you that, so that one day, and it may be today, and it may be years from now, or it may be when you meet him face to face, that oppression will end. That sickness will be destroyed. That hunger will be conquered. That addiction will have no control over you. Y'all better start clapping and saying hallelujah. I'm gonna start preaching. Let me tell you, because if you don't know that kind of love, I need to introduce you to that kind of love. If you don't know what it feels like to be loved so much that you'd be willing to give your life for that person. That is the love that he offers us. Even me, and I know my life and I know my sins and I know my past and I know the pain that I've caused and the pain that I've sat in. And God says, yeah, yeah, but even you, I love you. I'm giving everything so that you can have life. Today is the day Walk away from that hurt and that heartache and that darkness and that oppression and that addiction and those relational issues. Today is the day to find that new life in the love of Jesus Christ. Today is the day to stay in that kitchen and to throw those dishes and to say this relationship is too important. And so I will rejoice. No, no, I'm going to say it again. I will rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the ways that you move in our life. God, I thank you so much that you love us more than we could ever comprehend. You love us to a deepness that you're willing to give your life for us. God, I don't know the stories of everyone in this room, but I know there's people that are hurting and people that are lost and people that need to hear that they are loved by you. There are people who are in this room that need to throw some dishes and to need to stay in that room and to have that conversation with you, God, and to open up and to feel your presence and to say, I know, I know. And so God, if anybody needs to give themselves to you this morning, I pray that you would give them the courage to do that. Just release them from, from whatever it is that's holding them back and, and by the power of the Spirit, draw them in, it says, like you did with Lydia, and bring them in to your presence. Let them surrender their self to you, that they may know what it feels like to be loved unconditionally uncontrollable, recklessly. We thank you and praise you, Father, in Jesus' name.